Welcome to the new Irish Writing Podcast on independent.ie. My name is Dermot Bulger. New Irish Writing, an acclaimed platform for emerging talent, has appeared in a national newspaper ever since being launched by David Marcus in 1968. It has now returned to the Irish Independent, edited by Kieran Carty, who has been the editor of the page since 1989. Hundreds of writers who were given their first chance to new Irish writing have since gone on to publish their first books, with many becoming leading figures in Irish literature. They include Anne Enright, Neil Jordan, Paula Mean, Joseph O'Connor, Colin McCann, Verona Gork, myself, Dermot Bulger, Mike McCormick, Sarah Bourne, Bernard McLaverty, Sebastian Barry, Dirty Madden, John Byne, Anthony Glavin, and many others. In a new initiative by the Irish Independent, New Irish Writing now invites the writer of each selected story to give a podcast reading of their work. Here is this month's story. Flowers by D. Collins The cars were poised, noses in a row. Emer was struck by how many silver people carriers there were for sale. She walked towards her husband and placed her palm on the metal. The bonnet was hot, the laws of thermodynamics in her head. Touching things. Heat passing. Molecules are speeding up and reaching equilibrium. She glanced at Dermot, still scribbling. She wondered how to get out of the dinner with Oliver and Sarah later. Their home was a ground floor, two-bed apartment with a patch of garden by the kitchen door. At night, Emer often sat on the patio and heard families, couples, students living above her, the low hum of a techno beat, a child screaming, the Angelus. We are living as people do, she thought, gathering things around us in one place. At these moments, she wished that she still smoked. She could be in Paris, holding a cigarette and sipping a light tea on an uncomfortable metal chair, but feeling, yes, this is where I should be. And then Dermot would call to her, asking was she hungry, having made his lunch for the next day and offer her half of his sandwich, and she would think, no, this is where I should be. She moved away from her husband and walked back towards the entrance. The sun was shining on the low wall by the gate ahead. She stopped by an electric blue car. It shone celestial almost, glittering in a beam of sunlight. Sitting on the metal was a brilliant white orchid flower, its tongue lolling, basking in the reflected heat, the white and yellow stark against the bonnet. Emer held it in her palms. It was real. The petals had the light, furry feel of new life. But it was beheaded. The flower was in bloom. It didn't know that the light it turned its head towards would cause it to eventually wither and die. She returned the flower to where it had fallen. The sun rounded the corner now and there was a smell of baked doughnuts from the petrol station across the road. Emer turned to look for Dermot. Her heart beat faster when she couldn't see him. She climbed onto the wall to scan the car lot. He was gone, left her, left them. She opened her mouth to scream. Cop on Emer, she told herself. 
and then Dermot appeared in flashes between two jeeps at the far side of the lot. He'd be thinking about boot space, having measured their suitcases and chosen a buggy, scored nine for safety and comfort. His name on mummy pages was Doreen. Last week, Oliver called to visit with baby Jack, a good strong name, he said. The way Oliver held the mewling infant, she wondered was he trying to get the baby to latch onto his own tit. She began her Kegel exercises. She wondered would she ever have sex against a wall again. His hand was on her shoulder. Eam, where have you gone? Just daydreaming, she said. She shook off the wandering thoughts and smiled at him. His eyes creased against the sun. His thirties suited him. The boot opens when you walk towards it. Can you imagine? We should inquire about finance. She could imagine being in a boot, inside a bag, one of those canvas shoppers from the sourdough bread shop, warm and homely but with the strings tied together in a knot. We'll see, she said, and hopped off the ball. They walked out together. I know we will need a bigger car, she finally said, but let's worry about all these things later, if the baby gets here. Dermot looked at her for a moment and then he fixed again on the road. Emer noticed the slight shake of his head. Later, the kitchen was steamy from water rolling to a boil for the pasta. Emer stirred the pot with a wooden spoon, her back to the group. Her face dripped into the saucepan, but she continued to stir. Would her guests notice that her face was missing? Her shoulders moved in silent laughter. Finally, she tossed the pasta into the serving bowl and carried it to the table. I haven't time to shave, Oliver said, though his face was gleaming and Emer wondered if he had been using the baby lotion on his skin. Emer tried to ignore Oliver's voice. Each sentence he uttered was like an announcement deserving of a prize. It was Sarah who looked tired. She sipped at her half glass of wine. Sarah said that she couldn't eat spices because of her breastfeeding. She didn't want Jack to eat anything weird. Oliver nodded in approval. Emer dropped her voice and excused herself from the table. Dermot caught her eye. I forgot to pick the sage, she whispered. Emer walked on stepping stones that led past the herb garden beside the main flower bed. There the calla lilies stood tall. Purple and pink, silk-like petals curved upwards. She held a flower in her hand. Like a woman's sex, she thought. The curve of the pink bloom nestled in her palm. The delicate outer lip ran along her lifeline. She saw how the petal doubled back into a heart shape towards the centre spike that held many tiny yellow flowers. She touched the tip with her finger. And you are the male part, Emer said aloud. She dusted her hand on her jeans and stood back to look at the border. Magnificent, elegant, perfect, admirable. She closed her fist around the top of a bamboo support and pulled, breaking it free of the earth. She swung the cane and sliced the air. The lily heads fell to the ground. 
Ema raised her foot and slowly mashed the colours, turning the petals brown and indistinguishable from the dirt. All the hours spent traipsing around car dealerships, sunny mornings wasted. She laughed at the futility of it all and what came before too, the gymnastics classes, the piano lessons, and now the careful grooming and highlights she sat for every eight weeks. What was it all for? To sit quietly and make small talk with strangers? Did anyone in her house know her? Emer felt her anger grow. This was her home. Was she to be observed? Admired? That is what she had wanted, after all. Otherwise, why act this way? It was their house. Their things were inside it. Her husband was inside it. So why did she feel like she was looking in at someone else's life? She felt ripples through her body like she had crawled out of a lake and was standing at the shore dripping. Would her body betray her with this pregnancy as it had so many times before? Once the child came, she would be safe. They would be safe. Emer stepped onto the timber by the flower bed. This corner of the garden was a sun trap in the evenings. Her deck chair lay folded against the wall. Emer pushed the legs out and sat down, the seat wet from a light shower of rain. She bent forward to untie her laces and placed her shoes together. She balled her socks into the toes. Emer stood to pull down her jeans. She raised her arms over her head and took off her jumper, snapped her bra loose and removed her underwear. She folded each garment on top of the jeans and collected the bundle under an arm. Walking back towards the kitchen, she stopped at the herb garden and leaned towards the lavender. Droplets gathered like a diamond necklace along the washing line. She reached out her hand and pulled it. Water hit her face, a rush of air between her legs. There was a squeak as Dermot pulled the sliding door open. He called out her name as if he had been holding his breath. She walked past him and left her clothes on the kitchen counter. Then she heard the front door slam shut. They were alone. Emer turned and Dermot was still beside the patio doors. He faced the garden. Don't move, he said, and he walked towards the hall. When he returned, he had in his arms a large towel. Emer felt him wrap her. Her bare feet dirtied the white tiles. Dermot's face was ash, not his usual nut-brown. He didn't say anything else. He kept his hands on her shoulder. She should have come in quietly and sat down. Emer tucked the towel around her, underneath her arms, and twisted it into a knot on her chest. Eam, are you trying to be funny? Emer shook her head. Dermot held her hand to his face. What's going on with you? Is everything okay? Emer moved her hand to rub the back of his head. I'm okay. Then she dropped her hand to his chest. Dermot took three short breaths. Her hands fell to her sides. The seedlings on the window had emerged. Shoots of courgette plants, their green leaves pressed together in prayer. The bouquet on the kitchen island dropped yellow fluff onto the white runner. Emer dabbed her finger at the cloth. Indoors, flowers aren't proud. They lose their pollen, shed it, and stain our white linen. A 
Was there such a thing as a pollen-free flower? What would be the point of that? Dermot settled her on the sofa and mentioned tea, that he would make tea. He opened the fridge, staring into the light, as if he had forgotten what milk looked like. He placed her special cup on the countertop. Maybe a herbal tea, he said. She saw herself in the mirror as she sat quite still. Her head floated within the frame, like a headless flower. She bent forward and moved her hands up and over her shins and felt the heat transfer from her palms. Dermot sat down. Her heart beat faster. There was no tea. Eam, he said. We will be okay. He smiled and put his arm around her shoulder and her thoughts turned his touch cold. Is he trying to baby me? Emer jumped from the couch and turned toward Dermot. Up, she said. She put her hands around his neck and the towel fell to the ground. She pressed into him and raised her leg around his waist. He opened his belt, unbuttoned, and she dropped his pants with her foot. He tipped her onto the couch, took a step back and rubbed his hand across his head. She saw herself in his eyes. Then she pulled him towards her. Emer stretched her arms behind her head and watched Dermot kneel before her. She pulled at a cushion and threw it on the floor beside him. He ran his fingertips along her cheekbone, past her shoulder blades to the ticklish part of her waist. He continued, palms flat over thighs and an arm under her shoulder and then he turned her onto her side. She faced the back of the couch, her arms spread across the large cushions. Dermot hooked his elbow around her neck and pressed against her. She turned her head slowly, resting against his forearm, then tucked her hair behind her ear. It's all speeded up now. I can't think or see. I'm lost in him. Emer faced the garden. The pink calla lilies were stuck to the patio glass. She reached out as if to touch one. It's the first time in weeks that my head is empty. My body, the baby are one thing. Energy, heat. We move together. My cold body lines with yours. Emer closed her eyes and knotted her fingers through his. You put a blindfold around my head once, a pair of old tights, and I turned and walked straight to where you stood, and my lips found the contour of your face, and I gathered your hands around me. New Irish Writing, edited by Kieran Carty, and appearing in the Irish Independent on the first Saturday of each month, is open to writers who are Irish or resident in Ireland. Stories submitted should not exceed 2,000 words. Up to four poems may be submitted. There is no entry fee. Writers whose work is selected will receive 120 euros for fiction and 60 euro for poetry. You can email your entry, preferably as a word document to newirishwriting at independent.ie, all one word. Please make sure to include your name, address and contact number, as well as a brief biographical paragraph. Only writers who have yet to publish their first book can be considered. Thank you and good luck with your writing.